welcome to a special edition of Between the Headphones, Behind Enemy Bylines, the in-season preview podcast. I'm Owen Warden, your host for this podcast series where I'll talk with sports editors from George Football's upcoming opponents. This week, I'll once again talk with Cole Park, sports editor for the Kentucky Colonel, to review the Wildcats' season thus far and preview their matchup with Georgia. All righty, and welcome back to the third episode of the in-season preview podcast. We've got another returning guest, Cole Park from Kentucky. Cole, how you doing, man? How you been? I'm doing great. I've been doing pretty well, actually. Um, it's been it's been a fun season so far, so I look forward to um, I look forward to the game this weekend. How about you? I'm doing great. I I, com- I completely agree. It's been a really fun season. There's been a lot of interesting things going on, a lot of questions, and. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited that um, that this is going to be such a fun game. I mean, SEC media is coming over. You know, they're setting up here in Athens and stuff like that. So I'm just excited for the environment that's going to be happening because it finally feels like there's actually a big game that George is playing, and I think it's going to be really telling on whatever happens here. But before we can even get to the game, let's talk about how Kentucky's done so far this season because it's been a really interesting season. You know, Kentucky had a lot of changes, as we talked about, uh, over the summer, but they've really kind of risen to the challenge off the back of their run game. So kind of walk me through, at least so far, some of the big games that Kentucky's played so far this season. Yeah, so both teams played five teams. Uh, both teams have beaten five teams. So, um, Kentucky's teams are Ball State, Eastern Kentucky, Akron, Vanderbilt, and Florida. Now, obviously, the big stand-up there is Florida, the ranked Gators last week, not ranked anymore. But um, there's been a couple, you know, kind of pivotal points. I think that, believe it or not, the FCS opponent Eastern Kentucky, um, you know, Roll Kearns as a Richmond guy myself, so I got to support, but uh, put up a lot more of a fight than many people were expecting, and it was um, it was quite the poor showing for Kentucky. Went into halftime tied 7-7 with an FCS school, but really bounced back in the second half to pull away and win. I believe it was 28-17. Um, still not very good, though, but... You know, you went and you got a dominant win over Akron. You you did what you need to do against Vanderbilt. And then, obviously, you know, there was still a lot of question marks going into this Kentucky team season, especially with, you know, teams like Georgia and Alabama and Tennessee on the horizon. And then they brought in the Gators, you know, kind of like you said, with some big hype. You know, I got to talk with SEC Nation. I interviewed Tim Tebow, Marty Smith, and um, Jordan Rogers. All those guys are out here in Lexington. You know, the Paul Feinbaum show was set up right outside Kroger Field. It's a really, really cool atmosphere. It was um, definitely, you could tell that it was the first big game of the year for Kentucky. And they rose to the occasion. You know, they put up 17 out of the gate. It was um, a field goal in the opening drive, interception, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more when I get to the defense. Interception, straight touchdown for Ray Davis, and then another touchdown on the very next drive. It was a throttling early on to go on to win 33-14 and a very statement victory for the Cats that... With that win, not only did they knock Florida out, but they jumped into the top 25 as well. Yeah, no, that was an absolutely massive win. And, you know, coming into that game, I knew that, you know, both teams were really impressive defensively, you know. And I know both teams also had a few questions at quarterback, which we'll hop into here in just a sec. So I was kind of expecting a really defensive battle. And then Kentucky's offense exploded out of nowhere. And it was really fun to see, especially, you know, I mean, Georgia-Florida rivalry is always interesting. But, you know, it's just fun to see Kentucky really stand out because I was like, this is this is Kentucky's game that I feel like could be their statement, you know, and, and, and Florida had a lot of hype, especially after the Tennessee win. But I felt like Kentucky had a real good shot to win it and they won it 
handedly. So that was really good to see. And we'll talk more about Ray Davis, I'm sure, uh, in just a little bit. But before we can even touch on the running back, let's touch on Devin Leary. You know, big-time transfer coming in. Uh, a guy that I and both of us were really excited for as a potential prospect, especially with Liam Cohen being back as the OC. But just from my perspective, he hasn't fully lived up to the hype just yet. But what is your what has been your interpretation of how Leary's played so far through just five games? I think that's completely fair to say that he hasn't lived up to the hype. I think that, you know, we've got a couple of big numbers of people on our staff that have been really trying to break it down and really just pleading their case, you know, oftentimes on deaf ears, that he's not as bad as people are saying he is, that his numbers are mostly solid. Um, but I think that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a mix of the, the new school, you know, data-driven analytics and some of the old school, you know, eye tests. And if you look at the eye test, he just simply hasn't really passed so far. And he's struggled. And a lot of that's been on the receivers as well. I mean, I, I actually wrote down a stat here, kind of uh, – Pretty unfortunate. I, I know preseason we talked about Kentucky's three-headed monster in the wide receiver room with Dane Key, Barry on Brown, and Tavion Robinson, all three returning guys who were expected to be huge against Florida combined. And now keep in mind, this is with Dane Key getting no receptions in the whole game. That's not that he wasn't targeted. He got no receptions. Um, all three combined for seven receptions for 62 yards, an average of 5.8 yards per reception, which is – Kind of pathetic, especially when you look at how dominant that win is. And, you know, everyone, you know, props to Ray Davis because everyone's saying that Kentucky's offense looked phenomenal, but really and truly it didn't. Ray Davis looked phenomenal, and the offensive line looked phenomenal. Um, you know, Leary, Leary got lucky a couple times in the floor game as well. There was, especially there was one, he threw a ball right to a defender. I mean, it was it was so egregious that Ray, or not, it was so egregious that Devin himself started running to go try to make a tackle because he thought it was picked off as soon as he threw it. You know, you could see him move to start being like, oh, no, I got to go defend, and then the Florida defender dropped it. So, you know, just as certain um, just as certain interceptions aren't always the quarterback's fault, the quarterback can also get away with some interceptions as well that the defenders drop. And he definitely, you know, the game of football isn't always about what people deserve, but he definitely deserved to have an interception there, and he got very lucky that he didn't. But, I mean, overall, like I said, his numbers haven't been poor necessarily. I mean, he just got a... Just got the um, email yesterday that he's nominated for the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award in the top 25 of that. So, I mean, he's he's on awards list. You know, he's he's doing what he needs to do, and Kentucky has been winning games. It just certainly, like you said, there was a lot of hype coming into this year with Liam Cohen back, and people saw what he did with uh, Will Levis in his first year out of Penn State. And um, it certainly just hasn't really been that so far. No, not not yet, and and not saying it can't be because we've seen what he can do at NC State, and we know that you know through the the four or five years that he was out there in Raleigh, that he was a really talented quarterback. He he, he was really good, and he, he read the field well, and he made some great throws, especially uh, you know back in twenty twenty one that great season he had there. But he's just not showcasing that this year. You know he's able to find some guys, and the ball's able to move down the field, but it's more of the fact of just these errant decisions, these these errant throws that it's just confusing why he's he's making those. And Dane Key, Barry on Brown, Tavion Robinson, you know, they haven't been exactly what you thought they could be going into uh, year two of all those guys together, and, and let alone Dane Key and Barry on Brown being in their sophomore years. You just kind of expected a jump, and they didn't take that. Um, so overall, the passing game has not looked great, but the offensive line has been awesome. The, the transfers that, that Kentucky brought in have been great for them, and 
you know, and Ray Davis alone has been tremendous. So walk me through your interpretation of the offense, or I guess just the Ray Davis show, as it might be known as. No, so I definitely think there's a lot of things that deserve highlighting. I mean, against Florida, a lot of people maybe it went a little bit under the radar because, one, it's not flashy whatsoever. Nobody really cares about these stats. But the Florida game was the first time since November of 2021 against Louisville um, that Kentucky didn't allow a single sack. The offensive line did not allow Leary to get sacked one single time. And that's, I think, really, really impressive. I mean, Kentucky under Mark Stoops, it's easy to forget that especially after last year, it's easy to forget that Kentucky's been notorious for the, the big blue wall. You know, it's, it's a ironclad offensive line that doesn't allow the quarterback to get in trouble and really boost the run game. And uh, last year it wasn't that it was really poor. Actually, there was a lot of sacks. So it was easy for a lot of people to just, you know, forget that Kentucky generally has a really strong offensive line. And you see that back. I mean, it was a question that got posed in the post game interviews for sure. You know, is the big blue wall back? And, you know, obviously, coach speak. They're going to say, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not sure I'd go that far." But you know, you could tell they were excited about how strong the showing this was. We get to talk with um, both the Coxes after. That's uh, Eli and Marquez. Um, got to talk to both of them after. They were both really, really excited. And Ray Davis also. I mean, he's an extremely humble guy. You know, he's not one who's ever going to jump there and take any credit for himself. He gave all the credit for the Florida game to his offensive line. Said he's going to take him out to dinner. Was a little bit worried about them hurting his pocketbook a little bit, but. Um, <laughs> Said so he's going to take them all to dinner and that they deserved it and that they really deserved the praises for that game. And I, I can't help but, you know, agree. They were phenomenal. But I think another really important thing to note about this, um, we just recorded our podcast last night, and one of our things was who is your uh, underappreciated player of the year so far. And I would have to go with Jatal McLean, a backup running back, because Jatal McLean is not as talented as Ray Davis, but Ray Davis can't play every snap of the game. And when he comes out, Jatom McLean is absolutely a guy I would trust to come and make not necessarily exactly like him, but Ray Davis-esque plays. You know, he's solid out there. He can be really sturdy. So, honestly, I think it's kind of underappreciated. I know we, we talked – I think we talked about it a little bit preseason too, but um, how much Kentucky has that next man up mentality that guys who you may not know their name really well, but they'll come into the game and they'll make you a play and then they'll go back out after. The running back room is pretty deep, and especially with Jatom McLean, it's it's – these guys are able to back up Ray Davis in a way that um, has been really, really impressive to see. But, I mean, like you said, you talk about Ray Davis, and it's just been unreal. I mean, the accolades are rolling in. He, I believe he was only, like, a, he was only not a lot away from breaking the single-game rushing record. So um, he, he had a phenomenal game against Florida. Kentucky had four touchdowns. Ray Davis had four touchdowns. Three on the ground, one receiving. And that one receiving, to me, was one of the most impressive I've seen, too. I don't know how much you saw that play. It was actually Kentucky's first touchdown. Came after the interception. Um, you know, Leary got pressured in the pocket. He was about to get sacked. Um, he just kind of turned and submarine threw that to his side. Ray Davis was right there. Broke a tackle, made a man miss, and just powered into the end zone. I mean, I think he got contacted the first time at the seven-yard line and still pushed his way into the end zone from there. And I just... He's not like a massive guy. You know, you look at him, he's kind of, he's shorter, you know, he's pretty stocky, like he's built out, and he's, his legs don't stop moving when he's out there. You know, it's kind of like there's there's a play where it almost feels like sometimes when he just decides he's going to score, there's nothing you can do to stop him, and it's really, really impressive to see. No, absolutely, and I mean, both of us, I feel like we're familiar relatively with Ray Davis in his time at Vanderbilt, and we always kind of knew that, like, yeah, this is a fairly talented dude. 
But, you know, you can't really do a lot of judging when a guy's at Vanderbilt. You know, it's a little hard to tell. And this feels so similar to Jameer Gibbs going from Georgia Tech to Alabama and a, a really talented guy being put behind a really good offensive line and a really good team and just bawling out. Because Ray Davis, you know, I, both, of us, both of us, I feel like, had pretty good expectations for someone like him to be able to take that Chris Rodriguez role and, and roll with it. And he has done that in spades. He's found a way to be better than Chris Rodriguez, uh, if that's somehow possible for one of the best backs in Kentucky history, it feels like, in, in Chris. So Ray has been incredible. It's absolutely a name that every single person here in Athens is talking about having to keep an eye on. But, I mean, I can I completely agree. Both the Coxes, Marquez and Eli Cox, have been great on that offensive line. But you also got to look at Dylan Ray at left guard uh, and, and – uh, uh, Burton, or the right guard, Jager, uh, is it Jager or Jager Burton? Jagger, okay, so I was completely off, Jagger Burton, um, you know, both of those redshirt sophomores playing guard, you got uh, Jeremy Flack in his second year uh, after transferring, I mean, it's a really interesting offensive line, and they've been playing so well, and, you know, you just, you need guys like that, you need an offensive line to really take your team from one point to another and it's one of the things that like no one really talked about with these past Georgia teams of like the fact that they were getting Joe Moore award recognition but weren't getting the public recognition you know for that Georgia offensive line it was absolutely key and this offensive line is playing themselves into at bare minimum a nomination for that award of how well they're playing and it'll be fun to see like how they actually go up against this Georgia defensive line who you know, it's kind of their their whole thing is run stopping. So it'll be it'll be very much. I feel like, you know, brick meets brick. You know, wall meets wall. And I'm excited to see which one comes out on top out of that group because I have no idea. It's two really good groups. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the thing is they've done well so far. But like we said, you know, Kentucky's got a gauntlet of a schedule. You can't you can't just do well a little bit. You got to do well the whole year. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And, Georgia's going to be a massive test for the offensive line. I mean, you know, Georgia, I feel like, has had a, a massive reputation these past few years for just being such a good defense, and especially on that line. You know, it's they got some guys up there, and, you know, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see, for sure. Oh, yeah, and we'll, we'll touch on that even further. But, you know, you, you, talked, you talked about that next man up mentality, and that's something we definitely talked about. But we talked a lot about that for the defense, you know, and how many guys were rotating in and out and moving around and – and, and playing stuff like that. So I got to ask, how has the defense been? You know, it, it, I touched on it a little bit. It, it's, it's looked really impressive from at least the numbers perspective, but give me the eye test. What, what has the defense been like so far this season? Yeah, so, you know, preseason we kind of talked a little bit, and I, I was singing Brad White's praises. I said that I've, only, I've always got faith in Brad White, our defensive coordinator, to make a good defense. And since the season started – my faith has only gone up. He's, it's been fantastic, you know. Um, you saw against Vanderbilt, Maxwell Harrison became the first Kentucky football player ever, which is crazy to say, the first Kentucky football player ever to get two pick sixes in one game. Um, I believe Kentucky is right now first in defensive touchdowns in um, the FBS with three, um, two of those from Harrison. Uh, they're number nine in rushing defense, Number 20 in scoring defense, number 20 in total defense, and number 23 in takeaways. That's eight takeaways. Um, they've been phenomenal. I mean, you still um, you saw the one against Florida, and it was it was such a weird play in retrospect that it happened this way. But 
it just kind of shows the the almost genius. I mean, you've got Dion Walker. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. big guy. He starts dropping back in coverage, and you're you're watching. You're like, what is going on right now? Why is Dion Walker dropping back? You know, he's usually a big pass rush guy. Um, he starts dropping back, and you know, Graham Mertz targets the guy because he sees that's Dion Walker. I'm gonna target him. Dion doesn't even go for the ball. He jumps up and just punches that ball out of his hands right into Trevin Wallace, right into Trevin Wallace's hands, who then takes it back down to, I want to say like the 11 or like maybe the 14 yard line or something like that. And that was Kentucky's takeaway. And that came after Kentucky's field goal in the first drive, which was a little bit of a disappointing end to an otherwise phenomenal drive that allowed them to come out and score. And I felt like that really set the tone for the win. And it was just that one play. I mean, Deion Walker going up and punching that ball out and getting into Trevin Wallace's hands. It's, it's been really, really impressive to watch. And, you know, Brad White's one of those guys who you could play like you did against Florida, and he'll still, you know, he'll still be a little bit disappointed at the end that we let up 14 at all. You know what I mean? So he's he's a guy who's always looking for how he can improve and how he can do this and that. And I just think that the defense, especially going into Georgia, where I think the defense is generally matched up pretty good against Georgia in years past. Last year they held him to 16 before you guys went on to blowout TCU in the title game. Um I think that it's going to be a really, really important thing for this defense to be strong. Um, I think that's going to be more so a factor for Tennessee because Tennessee tends to get the better of Kentucky's defense a lot of the time. You know, I remember the game here two years ago. Uh, the last time they were in Lexington, it was like a 45-42 finish, and that was just a dreadful defensive game across the board. But um, I would say a little bit for Kentucky, you get a little bit worried. Um, I was looking at the numbers here just a second ago. Actually... I don't know if you knew this or not, but Kentucky and Georgia, in terms of like yardage allowed on defense, are only 10 yards apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Georgia has allowed 10 less yards. That's 287.2 compared to 297.2. And a lot of that comes from passing defense. You know, Georgia's only allowed 173 passing yards. Kentucky's allowed 221. So the, you know, and a lot of that you can see, you know, Kentucky's lost some, some backs a little bit and um, certain other guys are kind of coming into their own a little bit. But you look at the run defense. You talk about Georgia's stout run defense. It's only allowed 113 rushing yards. Kentucky's running defense is only allowed 75.8 rushing yards this year. And I think that's just – those numbers speak for themselves. It's been really, really impressive what Kentucky's been able to do on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, especially in a year where the offense has struggled a little bit at times and, you know, seemed like they were you know, coming out a little bit slow, it's been absolutely pivotal that the defense has been good. And, I mean, even – to give them, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of, um, I don't know what the word is, but to give them a little bit of credit for allowing EKU to score first in FCS school. They allowed EKU to score first because Kentucky had a blocked punt that started EKU in the red zone. So only so much you can do when they start in the red zone. You know, it's it's a tough tough situation there. I don't think they actually started in the red zone, but it was they started with really good field positions. The point I'm trying to make, and because it was a blocked punt, and I just think that defense has been. Not that they haven't been sung their praises this year, but they've been really, really great this year. Yeah, no, they've been tremendous. I mean, you just mentioned two names right there, and, and Trevin Wallace, Maxwell Harrison. Both those guys have been so good this season for Kentucky. And, that again, that defensive line we talked about, they they, they rotate, they they shift. They, they All those guys get a little bit of playing time, and all of them contribute, and they've all been just really solid, especially in that run-stopping aspect. Um They've prevented any team from getting any ground, especially when you play a team like Florida, where that's honestly their bread and butter. 
and just shutting that down is massive for them. And, you know, Georgia, you know, they've done pretty well against running backs. Quarterbacks, on the other hand, I cannot say the same thing. I'm sure you watched Peyton Thorne run all over that defense. Um, But, yeah, it's two teams that feel really similar in the way that they, they operate, at least defensively. And again, it, it just feels like it's going to be a, a, a brick wall meets a brick wall. And it's going to be so much fun to watch because even though, like, you know, on paper, like, a low-scoring game may not be the most fun to watch, a defensive just juggernaut battle, those ones are exciting. And I, I am excited for whatever game we get because I feel like it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, I'm a Patriots fan, and that 13-3 to Super Bowl was one of my favorite Super Bowls I ever watched. That was a defensive battle right there, and uh, I know most people hated that one, but I loved it. I, I can really appreciate a good defensive battle, you know, when it feels like you're watching the whole game with that suspense, like something's got to give, you know, who's going it, to – it really comes down to who's going to make a mistake first, and I think that those games are – you know, everyone loves a good shootout, everyone loves some good touchdowns, everyone loves some good aerial plays, but – I think a good defensive battle is so underappreciated for how intense and suspenseful and just gripping that game can be. And that's what I'm really, really hoping for um, out of this Georgia-Kentucky game. I'm just, more than anything else, I'm just hoping for a good game. And I want it to, I think it can really be a good game. I absolutely agree. And it's going to be a night game. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. Just everything around it is going to be awesome. And I'm just excited for both these teams to just punch it out and just the suspense of who's going to strike first. Like, that's going to be so much fun to see because, you know, Georgia doesn't get started really until the third quarter. So, you know, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen and and how it's going to happen and how everything's going to progress because it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun game no matter what. Um, So I'm pumped for it. But, you know, before we can really transition to that, also before we can even transition to that, got to shout out Johnny Hecker. Uh, really only stat put up in that game was the longest punt in Super Bowl history. Um, So if if that doesn't explain how much of a defensive battle that game was, I don't know what will. Uh, Maybe we'll see that this weekend. But, but, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of really good players for this Kentucky team, so it might be hard to nail down one. But from just a covering perspective, who's been your favorite player to watch? on this Kentucky Oof, team. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I picked yesterday in our podcast, I picked my, my most underappreciated is Jatal McLean. He's been fun, but I, I feel like you can't really say anyone, but Ray Davis has been your favorite player. I mean, it's just been a little bit, like you said, it's been the Ray Davis show a little bit sometimes. And he's been so impressive to watch. And he's such a humble guy too. You know, he's never going to take the credit for those things. Um, so he's been a joy to interview. I mean, that's, I think that's also, you know, it's easier as a fan, but I guess when you're, when you're doing this kind of like we do, or you interview, it's, I don't think people realize how much how someone's personality can really impact whether or not you like them or not. I've interviewed some players that are fantastic players, but they just give the worst interviews, and that really sours my opinion of them, you know, where they're just they're really arrogant in some of their responses. But Ray Davis, to me, I mean, obviously you never know because these guys are all media trained. You never know what they're really necessarily like, but he just seems like such a genuine guy when you talk to him, and he seems like a great guy. So I really, really do like Ray Davis. Um, on the defensive end, I've been a big fan of, you know, Octavius Oxendine on the defensive line, along with Deion Walker. They've been both really doing a great job at putting pressure on quarterbacks and then, you know, stopping the run game down there and um, just really making offensive coordinators uncomfortable. And a lot of times that's all you need. A lot of times once you get them rattled and shaken, you can trust them to make the mistakes themselves. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And Octavius, I, I completely agree with. It's a name that we, we haven't talked about. And it was a name that wasn't really getting a lot of buzz coming into the year. That was a guy I really liked. I thought his tape was really, really fun. And again, a guy that I don't think was or is ever going to get a lot of true buzz, but just a dude that does his role, that plays well, and a guy that I feel like is going to be, you know, drafted, you know, decently well simply for the fact that, and then provide a role in the NFL simply for the fact that he just does his job. He does what he has to do. But yeah, honestly, I, I asked this question expecting Ray Davis to be the answer, and I cannot blame you because he has been so much fun to watch from an outsider's perspective. So I can't blame you from actually covering the team day in and day out for just loving what he's done. But you know, not everything is all sunshine and roses. There has to be some people that kind of falter. And I'm uh, I'm assuming you that we've talked about this guy already today. But who has really fallen short of your preseason expectations? I mean, I feel like you season? can't help but mention Devin Leary in this category. He's definitely been uh, some slacking a little bit. But honestly, the most disappointing player to me has been Dane Key. I I was really coming into this year expecting a lot from Dane Key. Um, you know, even I mean, Tavion's been really quiet as well. Um, Barion's had some rough drops. Barion actually dropped a touchdown in the end zone against Florida that uh, ended up on the field goal drive. And you know, that was whatever. Barion had a little bit of drop issues last year, but Dane Key just—it felt like last year he was poised to be one of the best wide receivers in the country going into this year, and. He's been really, really quiet, I feel like, you know, just not that he hasn't been there, not that he hasn't even had some a, a few decent plays, but just when you with the expectations coming in, he's been very, very quiet. So I want to give, you know, just the, I guess it's not really a good award, but I, wanna, I would give the award to the kind of the group of Devin Leary and the wide receivers because it's just been, you know, like we said, like you said, we've talked about it today, but it's been really, 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 really tough so far for them. Yeah, and this, especially for a group that, you know, we saw how well Will Levis did with Wondell Robinson just a few years ago with Liam Cohen at the helm, and it's just tough to see them not have that because I feel like, man, this Kentucky team could find a real strong passing game. I could just, just the imagine, you can only imagine how far they could go. And, you know, and, you know, it's it's very much the Ray Davis show, and I don't think anyone's complaining about it being the Ray Davis show, but... Man, when you bring in a guy like Devin Leary that had so much success with NC State, you would just love him to take another step up and, and, and for the wide receivers to take a step up and really kind of show some of the potential that they flashed here and there last year. So just just tough I stuff agree, overall. Absolutely. I but, mean, even last year with uh, Rich Scangrello as offensive coordinator, you know, he was ended up, ended up being fired at the end of the season. It was not a good pairing here at Kentucky. But you saw flashes of what Tavion could do and what Dane could do. I mean, I can't help but remember that play um, – against Florida last year, that, that bomb of a touchdown that ended up being one of the biggest deciding factors in the win in Gainesville, um, which led to the second consecutive win. Now it's three consecutive wins over Florida. So imagine telling that to a Kentucky fan 10 years ago when they were when they lost their 31 in a row. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's you, you look at how much potential they have, and I, I can't help but think, just like you said, I mean, you see what Ray Davis can do, and then you imagine this Kentucky team with a good passing attack, man, it could be – in the conversations is one of the better teams in the country, you know, not that, you know, I'm trying to get, I'm not trying to go too high on Kentucky or anything like that, but a Kentucky team with this defense, this run game and a good passing attack could really be making, really be doing some damage and really be talking about a serious upset candidate for a lot of these teams they have on their schedule. And I mean, you look at the schedule, the opportunities are there for, you know, 
Kentucky's destiny is in its own hands, is what I'm saying. They could do anything they wanted to do this year. It's not like, a, oh, they've got an easy schedule. They'll have a tough time building a resume. If they can get it going, they could build a fantastic resume, probably the best in the country, even. And, um, yeah, they just haven't been doing it on the passing side of the ball. Yeah, and that's one of the things in – you know, out here in, in Georgia, it's easy to make the comparison, but the Atlanta Falcons, you know, is a team that, you know, we see Bijan run all over defenses, and when they really allow him to, to go for it, it's an incredible offensive performance, and they look fantastic, and they win games, but these past couple weeks, they've had to put it in Desmond Ritter's hands, and it hasn't looked great, so I'm worried for those moments, and that's probably the one fear you have for this Kentucky team is, you fear now when you do have to put it in Devin Leary's hands and you got to let him try and get it to these wide receivers that have been dropping balls and not getting open as, at the same rate that they did last year. You worry a little bit, uh, at least from that perspective. And, you know, that's the one thing I feel like with this Kentucky team that you can really point to to be like, gosh, if, if, the, if the Ray Davis show, you know, is delayed by a little while or, you know, if the defense, you know, just lets up one thing. I'm worried if the passing attack can get Kentucky back in. But aside from that, it's such a good team all the way around. And we've talked a lot about how these two teams match up. But let's get let's dig into it a little bit deeper. What do you think about this upcoming matchup with Georgia? You know, what are your feelings about it co- going into the game? Yeah, uh, first, real quick, you mentioned the Falcons there. Shout out Matt Ryan, Boston College legend. Um, there's not a lot of them, so I got to shout out the Boston College guys that are out there. A.J. Dillon and the Packers is another one. Um, I, I mentioned that to someone else, and they got mad at me because he's had bad fantasy numbers this year. But like that—that's not my fault. I think it's a really, really interesting one because these are both teams who, you know, Georgia against different opponents, Kentucky against different opponents. But these are both teams who have perhaps struggled in games that they weren't expected to. And also, I want to highlight—I believe this is the third time in history a ranked Kentucky team is five and zero going to play a ranked five and zero team. Last time that happened. Two years ago at Georgia as well. So, uh, you know, two of those have been Georgia out of the three times in history it's happened. So I think that that really says a lot about what this matchup is quickly becoming. And I know that that sounds kind of like tongue-in-cheek for Georgia fans because, you know, the, the Bulldogs have won 13 straight over the Wildcats. So it hasn't really been as much of a rivalry per se. But it's been getting closer. You know what I mean? It's been getting closer. And that's that's two times now that they've gone in 5-0 and ranked. I mean, I believe – Two years ago, was that the uh, college football game day game that that was? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was game day. Um, they're not coming for this one, but you know, it's still you got SEC nation stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so like these matchups. You know, they went from years ago being something that was whatever to something now that's like usually a really high matchup, and you hear people talk about it all the time. I mean, I don't want to say this is Kentucky Super Bowl necessarily, but a game like this means so much for the eastern part of the SEC. I mean, it it's pivotal. I mean, you like this game is one that's circled on every Kentucky fan's calendars every single year as one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game they'll play every single year. So, you know, usually I think they deliver on having a really good game. I thought last year was a, you know, 16 points for Georgia was it was a good showing, you know, Kentucky fans wish they could have done better with the offense on that one, but um I feel like especially looking back with hindsight and how Georgia went on to dominate the national championship, you can't help but feel like, wow, Kentucky actually did really good. I believe they were the closest team Georgia played all year long. And, you know, years, two years before that, I mean, it was kind of a lot more lopsided in favor of Georgia. But even then, I mean, Kentucky held their own early on and really made it a game, a really fun game early on before Georgia was able to run away with it. 
So I think that you know this matchup is one that I feel like if you're not excited for it, you should be because it's one that with every passing year seems to just get bigger and bigger. And, you know, it seems that it, it has the potential to be, you know, I know game day is not going there, but probably one of the better games next week or this week. My apologies. You're good. I, I cannot disagree with you simply for the fact that it's just two really good teams, two teams that are going to play each other well. And, you know, I, 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 it's crazy that you bring up that two years ago because you look at that in that game, both of them had SEC East, like division, like champion aspirations. There, that game decided who was going to the the uh, SEC championship that Georgia and ultimately lost, but they still won the Natty. You know, that game had those types of implications, and this game has incredibly similar implications. You know. Both of these teams, I believe, are the only undefeated SEC East teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Tennessee. We'll see how they progress going forward. But right now, this is for who's going to be leading the pack. And ultimately, that's such a big thing to play for. And, you know, it's an important thing to keep in mind for... You know, the bigger, the more outreaching implications. But again, you, you dig into it. We've talked about it so much. It's two great defenses. It's two offenses with, you know, interesting aspects. You know, Brock Bowers and Ray Davis on, on either side. Two really, two players at the top of their positions uh, in both stats and just overall talent. Um, two quarterbacks that are interesting. One that's been disappointing. The other one that's just been, best way I can say it, quiet. Um, I think that's the best way you could describe Carson Beck so far this season, but you know, in a second, I'll give it to you to, to give your interpretations, but it's interesting. Every single aspect of these two teams is really interesting. And the best part about this is I think we're going to learn a lot more about these teams too, after this game and, and see really where they are, who they are as a team. And that's maybe the most exciting part for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one that you know, it's going to be felt even after the game's over. The implications that this one's going to have is going to be absolutely massive, like you said. I mean, with Tennessee taking that loss to Florida and Florida getting blown up by Kentucky, I mean, the East is looking really, really interesting, and this game is going to have some major implications. And I do have some opinions on Georgia myself, but I know I'm sure we'll get to that. But, you know, I, I just can't help but feel that this one is going to be, like, cat, like it's going to be on the Richter scale, you feel me? Like, you're going to feel this one in the ground. I mean, I'm sure Sanford Stadium's going to be rocking uh, for this one, and it's going to be such – I can't wait to see it. I'm actually making the trip down to Athens, um, so I'll be able to be down there and see that environment. It'll be my first time in Athens. I was a freshman two years ago when they went down there, so I've never actually been to at in person in Athens, so I'm really excited to see that atmosphere. That's awesome, dude. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be cool, and it's going to be night. It's going to be a night game. You're going to see the stadium light up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really fun. But you just said you got opinions. Give them to me. What are you thinking about this Georgia team? What do you think of them from what you've seen? It's been an interesting season. It's been, for a lot of people, a, a somewhat disappointing performance season. But what do you think? Yes, I mean, depending on what your opinions are, some of these are either going to be really hot takes or pretty lukewarm takes, depending on how you see Georgia. But, you know, I understand and I have a lot of respect for the AP voters and why they do things the way they do, why the poll works the way it does. But if you ask me to rank every team in the country right now, Georgia is not my number one team in the country. 
I would say Georgia is fighting for the number three spot in the country. I'd put Texas and Michigan above them right now. And I, I would I would be open to listening to arguments that and that's not that I don't think when I when I'm saying ranking, I'm not ranking potential either. I'm thinking that, you know, Georgia could very well go on to be undefeated and win the national title for a third straight time this year and I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked in the slightest. It would just be like, okay, but looking at what they've done so far, I mean, they've looked like not the Georgia of last year for sure. Um, you know, have talk about that having to come back against South Carolina. I mean, they did, and it was impressive. But they had to come back against that one. They gave up 21 to UAB, um, which you know not usually what you want to see there. And then I, you know, we just talked about a little bit earlier, but the Auburn game that was a nail biter, you know, and that's not one you expected to be a nail biter for Georgia, but it kind of was. It, it was close, and I, I agree with your your saying of quiet for um, Carson Beck. Um, I don't know. I'm not – I was never a big, like, he's super talented guy with Stetson Bennett, but Stetson Bennett fit Georgia's role and just did what he needed to do. I don't think he was necessarily a great quarterback, but he was what they needed. Kind of like, you know, you get in the conversation of uh, is Tom Brady the most talented quarterback? No, but is he the best? Arguably, I would say yes, because he did what he needed to do, and he did it in two different places. But Similar to how Kentucky's felt like the Ray Davis show sometimes, it feels like at times Georgia's been the, the Brock Bauer show. He's been fantastic, and I think that he's a guy like Ray Davis who has the ability to almost single-handedly win you a game. And he, you know, I was watching some of his highlights last night. Um, you know, I saw that, um, I think it was the SEC posted something similar about, you know, how it's Ray Davis and Brock Bowers and how they said, you know, and I kind of agree, without Ray Davis or Brock Bowers, I don't know that either of these teams are undefeated right now because there's been times they've had to be, be bailed out by both guys. Um, and I was watching some of his highlights, and he he's a stud. You know, he's fantastic, and I think that he – He's going to do some damage to this Kentucky defense. I got a feeling. <laughs> um, but now that I've ragged on Georgia for a little bit, I definitely think Georgia's a great team. I mean, you can't not think Georgia's a great team. I mean, two-time national champions, ranked number one in the country, and despite having struggled, they haven't lost a game. And I, I think that that's such an important factor that a lot of people don't really take into account. You know, you want to, especially when two teams are undefeated, you get into the nitty-gritty about how did they win their games, you know. How did they, and, you know, even in basketball, you look at, you know, how strong is their schedule, who have they been playing, yada, yada, all these things. But simply put, if you haven't lost a game, you've done what you're supposed to do. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be pretty all the time. It doesn't have to be against the best opponents. You have to win the games that are in front of you. And simply put, Georgia has won the games in front of them. They've made it closer than some people wanted to like, would have liked, but um, they've won the games. And that is the number one team in the country for it. And I despite personally not thinking Georgia's the current best team in the country, absolutely agree the AP poll, AP poll voters should keep them there. You know, I'm a big fan. I've been a fan of that for years, and it's kind of a hot take sometimes with sports fans. But I don't think, even if it's an ugly win, I don't necessarily think you can punish a team for winning. They got ranked their preseason number one. They deserved it. They were the national champions. And they haven't lost. So simply put, they deserve to be number one. But um, I do think that Kentucky... So Kentucky's usually matched up pretty well defensively with Georgia. You know, they're, really, they're usually able to put in a good fight. Uh, the questions I have are mostly going to be around Kentucky's offense. You know, maybe Florida allowed Kentucky to do it. They allowed them to be the Ray Davis show. I don't think Georgia will. Georgia is a team that if you're not multifaceted, if you're too one-dimensional, Georgia's going to punish you for that. Florida may not have. Georgia will. 
because even if I don't think Georgia's the best team in the country, they're top three for me, and top three teams are going to punish you for being one-dimensional. And, you know, that really is going to come down to if the receivers are going to be able to turn it on or not, because if they can't, I don't see any way in which Kentucky wins this game. If the, if the passing offense is not there, Kentucky does not win this game. I'm going to say that right now. Uh, because Ray Davis is fantastic. Ray Davis will score touchdowns by himself. But Ray Davis cannot single-handedly beat the Georgia Bulldogs. They are too too mighty of an opponent for that. And the defense, you know, Brad White's usually done good against Georgia. The defense will make some stops. But Georgia's too good of a team. They're going to score points. The, usually with Georgia, the idea is about slowing them down, not stopping them. Because stopping Georgia is extremely difficult to do. You know, it's about slowing them down and score, letting them score as little as possible. Not stopping them from scoring, making them score as little as possible because they're going to score. So it really just comes down to if you can match them. Yeah, it's I, – I cannot disagree with you on the fact that Georgia has not played like the number one team. You know, um, I think – but I completely agree with you on the fact of, you know, they earned the number one ranking. And the fact that they're winning, it's hard to necessarily take that away from them. You know, even though Michigan and Texas have put up really strong performances against, you know, the teams that you would think Georgia would be doing that to. Um, and it feels very Kirby Smart-esque in the way that, like, you know, these past two years, you kind of look at it as almost outliers for how Kirby Smart used to win games. And it was this. It was just finding a way to win. And this year has has been back to that. And I guess, and I think the toughest thing is you had two years of Georgia just blowing out teams, you know, and I've said the biggest difference between this year and last year, because around this time, Georgia, you know, there was the Mizzou game where they had to come back and, you know, against Kent State and Samford, you know, they had, they didn't have great performances against either one of those teams. I think they allowed Kent State to score 20. So, you know, very similar stuff around that time. The difference is, you know, last year had the Oregon game where they came out and, and just smashed them, you know, and they had that statement win. And, and this year's statement win almost seems to be the national championship, even though that was a different team in a different year. So it's almost like we know what this Georgia team can do. They brought a lot of pieces back from that team, aside from, what, a left tackle, a quarterback, and their best interior rusher. But, you know, they very similar team. But it's very interesting because they do look vulnerable, and they do get punched in the mouth. They've got punched in the mouth twice, but they do find a way to kind of pull themselves back. But if they get punched in the mouth a couple times, I don't know if this team can come back. But I think that's why this Kentucky game is so important, because unlike any other team they faced, Kentucky will punch Georgia in the mouth more times than any other team they play this season. And that's why it's interesting, and that's why this game is fun, because both of these teams are going to be challenged. Both these teams have big-time players that need to step up in order for them to win. And again, I cannot wait to watch this matchup. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree. Um, one point I want to make that kind of goes a little bit against what I was just saying earlier. To an extent, I think it actually makes Georgia a little bit more dangerous when you look at the Auburn game and the South Carolina game. Because you look at how Kentucky played against Florida, they punched them in the mouth early, and Florida can never come back. Well, this Georgia team's proven that you can punch them in the mouth. And they're not going to lie down. So you hear it all the time from coaches and analysts. They're saying, what's the key to the game? And the key to the game is almost always punch them in the mouth early, knock them down, and then just don't let them come back. Well, the problem is this Georgia team said, all right, I've been punched in the mouth. I'm going to come back every single time. And 
I think that's scary. I mean, usually, like I was just saying, I mean, that's so often the game plan for these teams is just to come out heavy and come out hard and come out fast and set the tone early. But this kind of this Georgia team's kind of shown that maybe that doesn't matter as much against them. You know, it matters how you finish and how you start. You have to have a almost perfect game across the board if you want to beat them. So I think that you know, it almost makes them a little bit. Um, makes them look vulnerable to an extent, but also makes them look pretty dangerous in terms of that you can't just expect to come out and get a good start and coast on that. You know, you've got to be able to continue throughout the game. Yeah, you've got to pile it on. you got to – just one one haymaker isn't enough to put down this Georgia team so far this year, and you need to have that that knockout punch as well. So I'm, I'm – yeah, I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm curious to see how this game plays out because there are so many different factors, and – this is the most unpredictable game that there's been, and because of that, it leads to unpredictable score predictions. So let's hop right into that. What are your predictions? What are you thinking is going to happen? Who wins, who loses? And, you know, depending on who wins and who loses, what's the impact of the rest of the season for them? Yeah, so we did our podcast last night. We had four people doing predictions. Two people picked Kentucky, two people picked Georgia. I'm going to let you hold on and guess which one I am while I, while I go through some more things here real quick. Um when I first looked at the line, you know, the betting odds, said uh, Georgia on ESPN, it was Georgia minus 14.5 over under 48.5. I looked at that and I was kind of like, what? Like, that seems a little bit egregious to me. But then I actually did the math, you know, um, and I do this a lot. You know, you take 48, divide that in half, and then add half of whatever the, uh, whatever the line is. That's roughly a score of 38.17. And when I saw 38.17, I was like, oh, like, that's not bad, you know, because that's actually pretty close to what I predict for the game. And for me, I think the defense does good. I think the defense holds Georgia below 30. I think that they certainly do. Um, I think the defense does good. I think the offense scores touchdowns, but not enough. My score prediction that I gave was 27-17 Georgia. 10-point Bulldog victory. I think they go on. I think that maybe they might take a loss somewhere this year, but they're still a playoff team at the very least. Still could very easily be undefeated and go on to the playoffs. For Kentucky... I think this Georgia loss will be the first of the season, and I think that this team has real potential to see what what's iffy to me is Kentucky feels like they almost always lose the game they shouldn't, and they've got Bam on the schedule, they've got Tennessee on the schedule, and Tennessee's looked inconsistent, but it's still Tennessee, and they seem to get the better of Kentucky a lot. So you know, I think that this Georgia loss is the first of three or four losses for the Wildcats. Um, because you know their schedule has been a little bit easier so far. I could be completely wrong, but it's just such a tough thing to pick because you know we've talked so much about how Georgia's been this year, and I mean we can talk about Alabama as well. We can talk about Tennessee. There isn't a team on Kentucky's schedule anymore. I think Georgia's the most more than the other two, but even Georgia to an extent that there's not a single team on Kentucky's schedule anymore that's like there's no chance they beat them. You know. We were talking about the fact that it's even a debate right now, like can Kentucky win this game, is impressive. You know, people are having a lot of confidence in the Wildcats. I've even seen people who don't like Kentucky say they think Kentucky could win this game, and sure they could. I don't think they will personally. Um, I think honestly, when it comes down to it, the biggest factor is going to be Sanford Stadium. That environment is going to be so tough to play in. I mean, you, I saw clips posted last night that Kentucky's been pumping crowd noise and music and band noises into their practice, so they've been they've been getting ready for it, but. You know, until you're actually there, I imagine that's just such a, a tough, tough environment to play in. And I think with it being home, if it was in Kentucky, in Kroger Field, 
I might be more lenient to say Kentucky might pull out one here. Um, but at Georgia, in Athens, I just I can't see a scenario in which Georgia doesn't walk out with this one. I think it'll be closer. I, I said 10 points, you know. I think it'll be closer. But I see Georgia coming out 27-17. Yeah, you, I love how close we are. My score prediction is 27-20. Um, it's ironic because it's the same score Georgia just won over Auburn this past week, but I think this is going to be a battle. I think it's going to be a fight until one team pulls away, you know, or, or, and, and I think it's just, I, I purely am just going off of the advantage of Samford. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that like Samford is better than so many other of the great SEC stadiums out there, but it's certainly a tough place to play. Ask Tennessee. Ask Arkansas from 2021. It's not a place you can just roll up in and expect to be able to move down the field without any crowd noise because it gets loud. Um, so I think that's going to be a factor. But I don't think this game's going to be close. I don't think this game's going to be simple. I think I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a battle. But I think it's going to be a fun battle, and I'm just excited to watch because ultimately, you know, these games are always competitive. They're always physical. And they're always just good football. So I'm just excited for that at the bare minimum. Oh, absolutely. I, I cannot wait for this game. This is – I was I was telling it to my assistant um, the other day when we were, in, we were interviewing Tim Tebow and Jordan Rogers and, you know, the SEC Nation guys. And talking about going to the Florida game, I was like, this is probably the most excited I've been for a football game in a little while. And then I feel that almost times two going into Stanford that this is – I'm so excited to see this game. I'm I'm really really excited for you know regardless of the result, just seeing what a matchup this is going to be and what the implications of it are going to be afterwards. It's I'm I'm really really excited for this one. No, I'm pumped. It's going to be such a fun game. And but thank you, Cole, for for coming on and joining me. I really appreciate you just sitting down and talking with me about this one because it's going to be fun. And I'm I'm glad we got to talk as long as we did about it. But let's close it out. Where can people find your stuff and where can people find you? Yeah, so I still post my stuff on uh, my Twitter. That's uh, Cole Park underscore WSC. There's that E at the end of Park. I'll forget that. Um, our website is kycolonel.com. We also run KY Colonel Sports on Twitter. All of our articles and stories are posted there. By the way, we just made a TikTok as well, KY Colonel Sports, where we've been doing you know stand-ups and some TV broadcasts after our games, as well as you know some man-on-the-street content and some other fun podcast clip stuff. So we've been really trying to... Um, expand our multimedia presence this year but you can find me in any of those locations i pretty much help run all of the sports things um and the website kycolonel.com is where all our stories are published not kentuckycolonel.com kycolonel.com kentuckycolonel.com is a flower company unfortunately but um you know like breading for chicken and stuff like that but what can you do um <laughs> that's where you can find me and um you know i appreciate you having me on here it's it's always fun to do these you know i, I really enjoy coming on here and doing these with you so I appreciate you bringing me on, and uh, hopefully look forward to doing some more basketball or something. Oh, dude, absolutely. You, you, it might be less of a uh, super close conversation and more of a uh, we're excited to see Kentucky wall up Georgia in those moments. But, but either way, man, thank you so much for joining me. It was an absolute blast. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.